Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and for episode 66, I get to welcome back to the show Lofa Tatupu, the two-time national champion at USC, 2007 NFL All-Pro linebacker with the Seattle Seahawks, and a fellow Believe colleague as he co-hosts the Take 12 podcast covering the Seahawks. Lofa, it's awesome to have you back on the Everything USC podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. And if you enjoy this show, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and more. Or go right to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. To catch up with me, I'm on Twitter. Find and follow me at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Lofa, where are all the places that people can find out what you're doing? I'm mostly on Instagram, so we have the Take 12 Pod on Instagram as our handle, and then we also have it on Twitter. I believe it's the same. My own personal, it's Lofa Tatupu on Instagram, and then I think it's Lofa Tatupu 51 on Twitter. So yeah, got the names in there, so you should be able to find me. The Everything USC Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, where you'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Out here in Hollywood, when the entertainment folks find a formula that works to make hit films or TV shows, they'll keep going to the lab to try and recreate it over and over. That's why you see so many sequels to movies and reboots or spinoffs of successful shows. Well, through the first half of the Trojans football season, it seems as though Lincoln Riley and the team have found the secret sauce to winning games on the gridiron. USC once again took an early lead by scoring on its first possession of the game for the fifth time in six games. The defense once again took some body blows in the first half and even allowed Washington State to take the lead at 14-10 early in the second quarter but a close game at halftime turned into another double-digit Trojan win 30-14, thanks to a shutout by the defense and ball control offense in the second half. Caleb Williams, the stud quarterback, struggled maybe, but when you look at the stats, 15-29, 188 yards, did throw for the two touchdowns to Mario Williams, ran the ball nine times for 34 yards, but once again, did not commit a turnover. Travis Dye was the big star on the offense for the Trojans. 28 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Mario Williams, I mentioned, led the way on the receiving end. Four catches, 82 yards, and those two scores. The D 
second straight week with five sacks. And of course, Tuli Tui Pelo to the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week, accounting for three of those. And they harassed Washington State quarterback Cam Ward. He just went 19 of 32 for 172 yards, did throw two touchdowns. And again, the running backs seemed to be able to run on USC. Jalen Jenkins, 13 carries, 130 yards, 10 yards a carry for him. But overall, total offense, USC down from its usual number with just 369, but held Washington State to just 316. Lofa Tatupu, what did the Wazoo win and the first six games of the season tell you about how different this USC team is from the ones you've seen in recent years? You know, we're finishing ball games, And, you know, I think even with the last regime, we've been in a lot of great games, but we haven't come away with the win at the end of the day. And that's really what I'm excited about because champions, they know how to finish ball games. And so you said it right there with the defense pitching a shutout in the second half. I think we're probably not relying on the run as much as we should. Caleb, I think, I don't know if he cracked 200 in the last, I think only one out of the last three games, I believe which was uh, was at Arizona State. He threw for like 350. But, you know, in Oregon State, tough game. Die averaging seven a carry. Even Jones a uh, week before, pitching him with 100 of his own. We really, you know, we need to do that to set up the pass for, for Caleb. And I think that's when you saw the separation. Obviously, the defense, they showed up in the second half uh, of this last game. But offensively, when you get towards, you know, down the stretch and against the tough teams, if you could run the ball, you have to just to break their will. And so I hope we see a little more of that. We have great running backs, but die, man, he, I think the average like nine or something to carry, he went off and I'm glad they finally gave him the volume because it's almost like both the running backs have been on a pitch count. It's like, okay, they're at like 12, 15 carries. Let's shut it down for the day. Just throw it. And I think he had like 28 last game. It was amazing to watch. Yeah, Travis Dye, the Oregon transfer, has become maybe the bell cow running back for USC as Austin Jones barely played, and Relique Brown, the true freshman from modern day, got thrown in for a few plays there, but really Dye carried the way on the ground, and I agree with you. I think when Caleb and the passing game is maybe struggling just a little bit or the defense is taking away options there, just run the ball. If they're going to give it to you, let's take it, so... You're a defensive guy. Can this USC defense keep up what it's doing? They have a plus 14 turnover margin this year, the Trojans do, because they've only had the one Williams interception a couple games ago, and otherwise 15 takeaways by this D. Does it remind you maybe of some of those defenses that you played for in your USC days? Yeah, I mean, it's impressive with what they're doing. I know maybe giving up a little too many yards here and there, but keeping people out of the end zone for the most part. And that's really what the name of the game is, you know, bend but don't break, but you got to rely on those sacks and turnovers and big plays. And they are coming by the bunches with this team. Like you said, I think first in the NCAA in sacks, I think we got 24 plus 14. That is an insane number in terms of turnover differential. And uh, I think we ended the season, my two years playing, we were plus 19 and plus 21. They're only a couple turnovers away from making that happen, you know, and they're only halfway through the season. So it's exciting to watch. I know everybody loves it because they do say defense wins championships. And so it makes me proud just to see what's going on down there. Just uh, like I said, having that, you know, the finishing aspect of our, our team, not just, you know, offense and defense, but together, everybody knowing that, okay, we made our adjustments. Now it's time to win the ball game. But I got to give a shout out to the offense, not turning the ball over because 
that goes into play with the turnover differential. So I'm you know excited about both sides of the ball in terms of protecting the ball and taking the ball away. So obviously the new regime under Lincoln Riley coming in brought a lot of excitement to USC football, something that had been lacking in recent years. So what do you like most about what you've seen under the new head coach? The discipline, you know? It seems like these guys, and I was even down there for the Fresno State game. I got the honor of running them out the tunnel. And there was a different, there's a different breed of athlete that we haven't seen in a long time. There is, uh, you know, a lot of excitement that we haven't seen, but really, you know, discipline to win the game by not hurting yourself is what we did under Pete Carroll down there. You know, we were a really disciplined group. And that's what I'm seeing coming, you know, from these guys is they love the game, but they know how to play it. And so they're not giving the other team extra opportunities to win the game. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And actually, you stole my thunder there. I was going to ask you, I was at that Fresno State game. It was exciting to see you lead the team out. How was that? How did that happen? What was it like being back on the Coliseum field? Yeah, I was supposed to do it last year. But unfortunately, you know, uh, life got in the way, as it always does, man. You make plans and, you know, things change. So I told them I would really, you know, appreciate if I could do it the following year. and. And so we got, got on the schedule and made it happen. It was the Fresno State game, brought the family down. My two kids, they don't even know that dad played football. So it was exciting <laughs> to show them. And they also, they never got to meet another, you know, great Trojan, my dad, mostly Tatupu. And so the coolest part was uh, I pointed at the 1974 national championship team. And there you saw his picture, there, you know, uh, with the number 36. And then you look over to the, the 2004 national championship team and you see my picture. So, you know, I think it meant a lot to, to my kids to actually see, you know, what dad used to do and, and how much fun he used to have with, uh, with all, I got to see, man, Mike Williams is down there, Colin Ashton, Sean Cody. I got to see everybody down there. And that's really what it's all about, you know, going back and, and, you know, the memories come flooding back when you get, get around your brothers. And so seeing all them, but yeah, running out that tunnel because, I didn't get a senior night. I left as a junior. And so to do it, you know, hopefully not one last time, but one more time. I, I hope hope we can all do it again uh, when they bring the championship team back, you know, in a year or so. That would be awesome. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang, joined today by an all-time Trojan great, Lofa Tatupu, and fellow Believe host as well. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can Find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, subscribe, download, and rate it, or go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. To catch up with me, I'm on Twitter, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Lofa, let the people know how they can catch up with you. Yeah, Lofa Tatupu on Instagram, Lofa Tatupu 51 on Twitter. And then Take 12 Podcast is on both Twitter and Instagram is, uh, is how you can catch up with me. This is Dane Blanton, head coach of the USC women's beach volleyball team and Olympic gold medalist. And you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on Believe. And now let's take a look at the big matchup coming up on Saturday against the Utah Utes. USC ranked 7th in the AP, 6th in the coaches' poll. Utah is 20th in the AP, 19th by the coaches. It's going to be a primetime game on Fox starting at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 o'clock local time in Salt Lake City. 
and you can also hear it on KABC 790 AM and the Trojans Radio Network. Utah coming in 4-2 and two overall, 2-1 two and one in the Pac-12 after taking a beatdown from UCLA last week. Their other loss was in the season opener at Florida. They've beaten Southern Utah, San Diego State, Arizona State, and Oregon State. Of course, they are led by head coach Kyle Whittingham in his 18th season at the helm, winning over two-thirds of his games, 148 wins to just 72 losses, but only 4-7 and seven all-time versus USC. USC leads the all-time series against the Utes, 13-7, 6-4 since the Utes joined the Pac-12 conference, but last year's game was very disappointing, a 42-26 loss in the Coliseum, the first home loss to Utah since 1916, and the most points ever allowed by the Trojans against the Utes. Looking at some of the key players for This Utah team, of course, junior quarterback Cameron Rising completed 69% of his passes this season for 1,440 yards, 13 touchdowns to just three INTs, and he had a career-high 306 pass yards last season against the Trojans, was first-team All-Pac 12 in 2021, and they have a bunch of good running backs led by junior Tavion Thomas, 85 carries, 386 yards, five touchdowns, leading the team in all of those this year. Also a first team all Pac-12 selection last season. USC doesn't have to face one of the best tight ends in the country as Brant Keithy got injured in their game against Arizona State. He is out for the rest of the season, but they've got a fifth-year senior in Dalton Kincaid who leads a team with five receiving touchdowns, has 23 catches, 324 yards. And the top receiver this year has been fourth-year sophomore Devon Vele, 27 catches, 356 yards to lead the team in both and has three scores. And then on the defensive side, one of the best secondaries in college football, fifth-year senior free safety R.J. Hubert leads a team with 39 tackles, also has two interceptions, one of which he returned for a touchdown has two forced fumbles and a fumble recovery as well. Third-year sophomore, strong safety, Cole Bishop, second on the team right behind Hubert with 38 tackles, has three and a half of those for a loss, has a sack, an INT, two pass breakups, and two quarterback hurries as well. And maybe the best of all of them, sophomore cornerback, Clark Phillips the third, five interceptions already in six games, two of which he's gone for the pick six. Added 12 tackles as well. So when you're looking at this matchup, Lofa, USC trying to remain undefeated and going into its bye week, basically one of the top teams in the country, maybe a surprise to some people at how good they've been. And Utah is going to come out fired up. You know that. They're calling it the dark mode game. Everyone's supposed to be wearing black there in Salt Lake City for the Utah crowd after that loss where they got embarrassed against UCLA at the Rose Bowl. I think that the Trojans are going to have to withstand an early push from a fired-up team, and they got to keep winning this takeaway battle. How do you see this game playing out on Saturday night? Without a doubt, this is going to be our toughest matchup to date. We named all those fantastic players that they have. They're at home. They just came off a tough loss, like you said, where they got embarrassed. They put up a lot of points. But they gave up a lot. And so, you know, I think our offense, they're going to take a look at that film. UCLA, I think DTR had 400 passing. And then Charbonnet had uh, almost 200 on the ground. So there's definitely 
some areas that we could exploit. But um, if we could run the ball, it's going to make it'll take that crowd out of it, you know, really, you know, quick. So I, I hope that's what we lean on. And then, you know, let Caleb do his thing with, you know, he'll, he'll put up 400 yards. I know he will. And then defensively, we have to stop the run. I know Cam is, is a stud, the quarterback, but if you let them get going and that crowd gets into it, like I said, man, it's going to be a long night. And this is really our first big test. And so uh, I'm excited. This is the biggest game we have to date. And Cam Rising, despite having just three interceptions, a couple of those are some big interceptions in the red zone, which help lead to their two losses. So again, if SE's D can be opportunistic, get some turnovers and help the offense out, that would be huge in this game. That's a tough place to play for a lot of teams. That mighty Utah student section, the must as they call it, was named the top student section in the country last year. So it's going to be a tough environment at night in Utah. But when you look at Caleb Williams in the couple of games where he struggled against Oregon State and Washington State, the two best defenses that USC has seen this season, what did you see that was missing that he's going to need to be able to do against Utah? Maybe some quicker reads, you know, just get get rid of the ball. I know he's so incredible at the big play. And I think he really, you know, if they're sitting back, you know, too high safety, or if they're really playing, you know, uh, only six, seven men in the box, you got to check to run and even just use your legs a little more to make them commit and come up. And then you can throw it over the top of them. But sometimes, you know, you just got to take the flats if that's what's given. I know it's not sexy. It's not exciting. You know, it's not what the, drives the, the crowd wild. But with some of the receivers, Addison and Williams, you know, Williams is really coming on strong. He's the kind of guy you just get into his hands, even in the, in the flats at five yards. He could take it the distance. And so I think just trusting that, trusting what he sees and, and not just putting it all on the 50, 60. I mean, look, we all love it when he airs it out for a 60-yard bomb. It's, it's one of the most – the one he made on the run was one of the most beautiful throws I've seen in a long time, man. But just take what they give you until they start creeping up and getting, you know, a little you know anxious or greedy. And then now you go up top and, and really hurt them, you know, where it counts. Do you think SC's pass rush, like you mentioned, leading – in sacks, can they do it again against a mobile quarterback in Cam Rising and really disrupt his game? Yeah, I think that's the thing that makes Cam so dangerous is that when he does get on the edge, he can go. He can scoop. So really got to keep him in the pocket, make him throw from the pocket. and know he's capable of doing it and doing it well, but you have to take away one of the things, right? And so if that's what we're going to do, keep him in the pocket. So then Tuli and some of those guys can just come off the block and, and you know, on a two-gap, two-gap, you know, inside or out of the guard or the tackle and, and then fall off and make the sack. And uh, I think that's where, you know, we used to call it cage rush. So keep them in the cage, in the pocket. I think that's what, you know, we'll try to do. And then uh, our, our playmaker's got to make plays, man. If he puts it up, he tests you. Uh, Gentry, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a six-six linebacker in the middle at SC, man. It's, it's crazy, a, right? Oh, it's a beautiful sight. You know, used to little 5'11 guys like me and Groots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's usually the, the formula, right? But now you got a guy who's changing the game. Man, the windows are so small when, you know, it's like Brian Urlacher for the Bears back in the day, man. A quarterback, they're not used to seeing a guy a half a foot taller than the average middle linebacker. And so now they'll, they'll take the chance think, okay, well, he looks flat-footed or he's not, you know, he's not on his toes. And then they throw it, and all of a sudden it's interception. Oregon State, I think he almost he almost had three. He had one, but then uh, he had an opportunity of two others that 
if he just catches, man, it's an unbelievable night for him. So, yeah, really love love seeing him play. Just it's a different athlete that we haven't seen, you know, at that position. And so it's exciting, man. It makes it tough for opposing offenses. And then Bullock, love watching that guy is one of my favorite guys to watch play, man. He is such a beast. And so, like I mentioned, they utilize their tight ends well. They've got a really good one in Kincaid. Former USC guy Munir McLean's one of those guys in that tight end rotation as well. How do we take away that part of the Utah offense? Yeah, you know, I don't think we're uh, necessarily worried about a matchup or, or you know, I think uh, just staying disciplined and playing our rules. But if, if we have to, we have the safeties that can take away a tight end. And then even I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, 6'6 six, six gentry on him. Just showcase that athleticism, man, if, if it really becomes a problem. Now it's time for us to make our predictions and see what we think is going to happen in this game between the Trojans and the Utes. So to recap, how I'm doing so far this season and what happened last week, I had Fox Sports reporter and the athletic writer Bruce Feldman as my guest, and we tied. We got one win apiece in the predictions, the players we believed in last week. I took Eric Gentry, who had five tackles and a quarterback hurry, but he went with Travis Dye, so obviously Dye with his huge game got the win for Bruce there. In the game score, USC was a 13-point favorite. They ended up winning by 16. So I'll take the win there because I predicted a 38-24 USC victory while Bruce had it closer, 40-32. He did not have the Trojans covering. I did, so I'll get the win there. And then in our prop bet portion of the predictions, Nara's no-doubter was that USC would lose its first fumble of the season, and thankfully they didn't. No fumbles by SC at all. And Bruce's big guess was that USC would give up 30 points for the first time this season. And of course, they did not. So no winner on the prop bet. So on the season so far, I'm leading the guess with seven wins for me, four for the guess, and four ties. So this week, the players that we believe in, the best Trojan in this game. And I've already had four guests take Travis Die against me, and I haven't picked them yet. So I'm going to pick Travis Dye this week as the player I believe in for no, USC, no, no. Which, just, means, which means I probably just jinxed him, though. But I'm taking Travis Dye as the player I believe in. Who are you taking there, Lofa? The guest should go first. I was going to take Dye. <laughs> you get to go first on the game score coming up. So uh, you can also take Travis Dye and just call it a push. But I, I think you got to try and get someone else, right? I got to take someone else. I think he's going to rebound. Caleb's going to go off 350 plus and four touchdowns. So give me Caleb. All right, so Lofa is going to go with the QB, Caleb Williams. So let's see how that turns out for the players we believe in. Now, you get to go first here. Who's the winner and the score of this game? I should mention our sponsor, Bet Online, as we record this show on a Thursday, has USC as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. First time SC is an Whoa. underdog this season. So what are you picking? Underdog, that's the disrespect. I think the boys are going to be ready. I got us coming away with a win. It will be a fight. So let's go USC 35. And I know Utah puts up some points. So I'm going to give them 31. So you're going with the high scoring 35-31 USC victory. So here's going to be my explanation, Lofa. I know you're going to kill me for this. But <laughs> I was all ready to pick USC until I saw that spread. I am very afraid because Vegas always seems to know something that we don't. And so when I see USC, despite being undefeated, 
despite Utah getting embarrassed by the Crosstown Bruins last week, getting the three and a half points. I'm worried about that. They <laughs> seem to know things that we don't know, those mystics in Vegas. So I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to pick USC to cover the three and a half, but Utah to win 27-24. I think Gross. it's going to be a shocking loss by USC. I hope I am wrong. I hope you're right. I want to give you the win on this, but yeah. the Vegas spread is scaring me. That's the only reason. I was all set to pick SC until I saw that. Oh, man, that's gross. I hope I you're wrong, too. I know. I feel gross, Lofa, by making that pick, <laughs> but I'm not going to lie to the audience here. I'm going to tell you what I think, and that's what I think, but I hope I'm wrong. As a Trojan, I'm supporting USC, but I'm going to pick that 27-24 Utah win and and just hope I'm very, very wrong. So, now we got to go to the prop bet, the always entertaining prop bet. Nara's no doubter this week. And because I'm picking USC to lose, I think the reason is SC will finally commit multiple turnovers in a game. That is Nara's no doubter that USC will, for the first time this season, commit multiple turnovers. All right, Lofa, last year you called your pick Lofa's Lock of the Week. Is that what you're going to call it again this year or are you going to change it up? Yeah, let's go with the lock. Wait, was I right? Did it win? Lofa's lock of the week last year, I think we both got our pick wrong in the prop bet last year. So it's up to you. You can keep the name, but it's, again, it's your call. Let's hope there's luck on my side. So Lofa's lucky pick, we'll call it this this time. Okay, Lofa's lucky pick this year. I'm going to give you two. So Caleb over 300 passing. That's a lock. That one's a lock. Lucky, we are going to get a defensive touchdown. I believe it. So you're doubling up on me. So you want to give a Lofa's lock, which is the Caleb Williams is going for 300 plus passing. And then Lofa's lucky pick is that the defense is getting in the end zone. Absolutely. All right. I like it. I mean, that is something that we haven't seen here. A double pick. And you know what? I'll give you two points if you get both of them right. Okay. I'll take it. Does that sound fair? Sounds great. So to recap our predictions here, the players we believe in, I am finally taking Travis Dye and not letting my guests take him. You would have been like the fifth guest <laughs> out of seven to take him. So I finally had to take Travis Dye as the player I believe in. Lofa Tatupu will go with the quarterback, Caleb Williams, for our game score. I am unfortunately going to take Utah 27-24, USC covering the three and a half point spread, but not getting the win because I'm worried about what Vegas knows about this game. And Lofa, though, he is going to take USC to win a shootout 35-31. Nara's no doubter is that USC will finally commit multiple turnovers in a game. And Lofa has given us two prop bets. Lofa's lock is that Caleb Williams will throw for at least 300 yards. And Lofa's lucky pick is that his pride and joy, the Trojan D, is going to get into the end zone. So we'll see how these all turn out again, keeping track all season long about how I'm doing against my guests. So this is the Everything USC podcast. Nara Wang, your host, joined by Lofa Tatupu, the two-time national champion at USC, the Seattle Seahawks legend and fellow Believe colleague. If you enjoy listening Find this show, subscribe, download, and rate it on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Tune in at all of your favorite podcast directories. 
or go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. I'm on Twitter, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. And Lofa, how can the people find you? Yeah, Lofa Tatupu on Instagram and Lofa Tatupu 51 on Twitter. Take 12 podcast on both of them. Hey everybody, this is Spencer Tillman, Fox Sports College Football Analyst and former Oklahoma NFL running back. And you're listening to Everything USC Podcast with Nara Wayne on the Believe Network. And finally, as I've been talking to all of my guests this season about for our final segment, the move by USC and UCLA to the Big Ten coming up in a couple of years. When this news broke, Lofa Tutupu, at the end of June, how surprised were you to hear? that USC was going to make that decision to go to the Big Ten? I wasn't too surprised. It's uh, the nature of the beast, man. This is a business. I know it's college, but you got the NIL deals and, you know, the NCAA, you know, trying to make as much as they can too. And so super conferences are definitely, you know, what it's all about now. And I think what I'm most excited about, yeah, of course, we're not going to see the traditional matchups that we've come to know and love, but you know, now we have a real chance at going to the playoffs because of the strength of the conference, right? You know, Big Ten's always represented, I think, in almost every playoff they've had so far. They've been in there. They've got at least one team in there. But this gives us a real chance to get, you know, to the national championship. And then the expanded field, they eventually, they already said they're going to eventually open it up to 12 teams, I think, playoff, which is how it always should have been. And I think that's going to be, we're going to see some amazing matchups. And uh, I can't wait to see the playoff. So you think it's the right decision for football, but how do you think it's going to impact all of the other sports that now have to travel so far to play conference games? Yeah, that's going to be tough. But, you know, when, when they go pro, they're going to have to deal with the same thing anyway. So, uh, you know, we'll give them a jump start on their travel experience. What are you going to be most excited to see for SC's matchups in the Big Ten? Oh man, I'm going to all, I want to see all those stadiums that you hear about, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, the Shoe, the Big House, Penn State, Happy Valley. I want to see them all, man. You know, and that's, you know, those are like what, a hundred thousand people packing in those stadiums. Sometimes I think 108 at Michigan when it's fully sold out. I want that experience of going to see a game in those stadiums. And what do you think it's going to do to the Pac 12? Can the Pac 12 survive as a major power conference? I don't think so, unfortunately. I think it's probably, you know, Washington and Oregon, they're going to go join another conference, whether it be the Big Ten or something else. And um, I don't know what's going to happen to the rest of the teams. It's the nature of the beast, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I always thought it would be cool. So you see the FCS, right, the championship division where 1AA, uh, which I played there before, too, when I was at Maine. They got the playoff system and, and they got some teams that can compete. You, you always see a team going in. Appalachian State beat A&M at A&M. There's a couple other big ones, big upsets that happened this year. So they have the guys that compete. I want it to be like soccer, you know, over in Europe where if you lose, you get relegated to the lower division. <laughs> so if we take the bottom two teams and put them in one double A for a year and let the division champions or the National champion finalists from 1AA come up to Division One for a year. I think that would be really exciting. You see, that's pretty funny, Lofa, because I actually have a plan on how to fix college football 
which does involve a relegation process. I'm going to have to have you on another time and we can discuss ways to make college football better. And I have a plan that involves relegation. So you'd probably like it. So I'm on board, man. I, you got to earn your spot, you know, earn your keep. And uh, I think that, you know, it just be so exciting if, if you get one, you know, I think, what is it? Did James Madison, did I see something? They're up in division one now and they're undefeated. Yeah, they moved up to FBS. And then the stupid thing is that, of course, they can't win their conference because they are just new to transitioning. Oh, my God. Of course, right? So we got to figure that out, too. But, yeah, I played against James Madison. Tough team, man. Uh, they got some great ball players over there. And then, um, but, yeah, just think about how excited it would be, you know, if, if you're a kid that, you know, you dream of playing in the NFL, but you're not going to get, you know, looks, the looks that, because uh, you're not playing on primetime Saturdays or your games aren't broadcasted. but you see all these guys that, you know, I played against Brian Westbrook when I was at, uh, he was at Villanova. And man, you saw what he did to the NFL. So there's a lot of players down there. But think about the excitement. If you're a junior, you win the national championship. And then now that gave you the right for one year, your senior year, to go compete against all the major schools. I mean, that would, then you could really put it on, on tape, you know, how good you are and your team. Very interesting. We know college football needs to redo that level of football, whether we're headed towards super conferences or whatever's going to happen in the future. So a lot of ideas out there, and I'm glad you threw that out there. Again, we're going to talk in the future, Lofa, about that, but it's been a pleasure having you back on the Everything USC podcast today. And I appreciate you having me. I hope you're wrong, Nara, uh, about the right, So do I. So do I. <laughs> but thanks well, for having me, brother. Stay blessed and fight on. For my guest, legendary Trojans linebacker Lofa Tatupu, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 66 of the Everything USC podcast, presented by Bet Online. On Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports and pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, I end every show by telling you all to remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.